I'm going to do a, a little bit of review tonight, but simply because of laying some context down as to where we're headed. We've been talking about the difference between hope and faith. Tell your neighbor, this is huge. This is huge. Tell the neighbor on the other side, this is huge. This is huge. The hoper is one of the most beautiful types of spiritual failures known. So many have mistaken hope for faith. They have confused, they have a confused idea that if they hope strong enough and long enough that they could bring the desired thing to them. But they didn't know that hope was always out there, future tense. There are two scriptures in Romans that will assist us. We've, we've been in and out of Romans 4 a lot the last couple of months. Romans 4.17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. See, the point of Romans 4, and I love this because I love it when the New Testament comments on and explains the Old Testament. I love that. Because we read these stories and... I believe it's in 1 Corinthians, it says that the, these things happened in the past as examples. And so then <clears throat> when the New Testament explains something from the Old Testament, it just, it just is like somebody turning the light on. It just makes it all make sense. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope. Wow. Against all hope in hope, Abraham believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So here was a strange combat. It was a combat between faith and hope. Faith was warring against hope. Now, hope wins in most cases, but hope lost here. So Abraham counted the thing for which he had hoped to be his own, and he resolutely put hope aside and claimed the son that God had promised, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. But in the 8th chapter of Romans, verses 24 and 25, it throws more light on this. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait patiently for it. And now, now I know somebody's thinking, well, isn't there a place for hope? Sure, there's a place for hope. You know, I'm hoping for the rapture. But that's not going to accomplish anything. Amen. I, I'm not going to move the hand of God. Do you understand? So there's a place for hope. <laughs> Hebrews 11.1, 1, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So faith is not hope and hope is not faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Say it out loud. It's mine. It's mine. I have it now. I have it now. Say it again. It's mine. It's mine. I have it now. See, faith possesses. And in the Amplified Bible, Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, 
divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Counts it as fact. Or we could shorten the verse this way. Now faith is the title deed to things hoped for. I'm not going to go through that again. Austin dealt with that. Aaron Wood dealt with that. Hope never gives a title deed, but faith is the title deed. And the centenary translation, Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the title deed for things hoped for, putting to the proof things not seen. I could, I could spend a month here, but the point is that it is the word of God. It is the written word of God that is our title deed. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And the only way to do that, the only way to base that surety, that certainty is on the written word of God. The word of God is our surety. The word of God is our guarantee. So believing is action and faith is the cause of the action. Say it out loud. Believing is action. And faith is the cause of the action. Now, I'm going to say something here, and I'm not trying to be weepy, misty. You know, it's not my nature anyway. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to, like, tell, tell a sad tale. But when we started out, there was not much difference, differentiation between Sue and I and other young, young couples we knew either at Central Bible College or at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. But as time rolled on, the gap grew. And it, it, it gets to where uh, it's interesting. And, and what I'm talking about tonight is the difference. The hoper is the greatest spiritual failure there is. But it's beautiful. There's a beauty to it. The problem is you let a decade or two go by and you've got somebody taking action. See, believing is taking action and faith is the reason why. You let a decade or two go by, uh, the, the beauty of the hoper fades. You know, car gets old, air conditioning quits working, uh, paint peels off the church building, uh, nobody's cutting the grass. I mean, you, you've been past most church buildings. I mean, you know, they're falling down. We just bought new chairs. Did we need new chairs? Talk to me. Did we need new chairs? No. Why do we buy new chairs? Something to do. And, and uh, you know, people can fall out. Well, you have so much. And we have so little. And actually, isn't that What's going on in the culture big time? 
But see, it's the difference between the hoper and the action taker. Can you see that? It's the difference between the hoper. See, and, and, and <laughs> I won't go down that road. Faith gives substance to things hoped for. Faith is bringing into the present tense things which were in the future for us. So we can see that hope is never now. Say it out loud. Hope is never now. Hope is never now. My, uh, the, the pastor that I had when I was a child, M.D. Beale. Oh, my gosh. What a great woman of faith. And you know, she believed she would live to go in the rapture. Well, she's been dead 50 years. John Osteen believed he would go in the rapture. Well, he's been gone 30 years. It's pretty amazing. See, there are things that hope has no control over. We don't have any control over some things, but we do have control over ourselves. We have control over what we do. We have control over what actions we take, right? Hope has no present tense blessing. The hoper lives on hopes. The word is loved and admired, but not acted upon. Tell your neighbor, this is the Wednesday night for you. Yeah, hope is a beautiful thing. But you can't go buy eggs with it. You can't make your mortgage payment with it. I mean, it's some of y'all are hoping for the Cowboys to win another Super Bowl. How's that working out for you? I said, how's that working out for you? Or the Rangers to win the World Series. How's that working out? And I'm telling you, that's hope. Hope has no present tense blessing. The hoper lives on hopes. The word is loved and admired, but not acted upon. The hoper is merely an assenter to the word of God. The hoper is merely an assenter to the word of God. He admires the word. He knows the word is true. He might even suffer for his convictions of the utter truthfulness of the word of God, but the hoper does not take action on the word of God. The hope man only gives mental assent to the word of God. The hope man does not take action on the word of God, for he has no faith to do so. Now listen, I'm not the judge of anybody or anything, but I have eyes, and I have a brain that functions, and, and I, I see what's going on. And wonderful, 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 beautiful people, wonderful, 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 beautiful Christians, and they don't even know they're mental assenters. They don't even understand why it ain't happening. I mean, if it ain't happening, it ain't happening. They, they don't see it. 
And if you, and you can't go talk to them because that would be really offensive. And I, I have to be even careful blessing them because when you bless someone and they, they receive the blessing, they're acknowledging you're ahead of them. And then they, they're, they're upset by that. It's an interesting quandary. I've been meditating and, and reading where Paul talks about the foolishness of preaching. And it's fascinating to me because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. For example, here's an example, and I don't mean any harm by this, but we heard about someone that got angry at Austin's sermon on Sunday. And my question is, we're teaching on the miracles of Jesus. Who gets mad about that? Amen. And it wasn't even me. <laughs> it was the lighter, brighter version. I mean, so you cannot, listen to me now, you cannot worry about the gospel offending people because God has designed this New Testament covenant to operate through the foolishness of preaching and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God and like Jesus said, let him who has eyes to see, see, and let him who has ears to hear, hear. Amen. They're going to get it or they're not going to get it. Amen. So here's what happens. People go where they don't, they don't, people go where they don't hear what they don't want to hear. Amen. Yeah. The hope man only gives mental assent to the word of God. The hope man does not take action on the, on the word of God, for he has no faith to do so. Many in the ministry today are mere hopers or mental assenters of the word of God. Many are good people, but they have, they have never enjoyed the realities of the things that belong to them. Many of them will act on their denomination's creed, but they would never even think about taking action on the word of God. If some degree, de decree came out of their denominational headquarters, you know, changing the liturgy of worship or uh, changing some point of doctrine, they would obey that. But they, the thought would never occur to them to take action on the word of God. But even though they are but mental centers of the word of God, they think all of, all of the time that they're indeed believers. The believer is a possessor. I'm going somewhere with this. The believer is a possessor. Say it out loud. The believer is a possessor. Say it again. The believer is a possessor. Now, I know this is hard to picture, but I went to the Lord a while back and asked his forgiveness for alienating various people in the ministry, and I named them, and I asked the Lord to bless them. And when I got done with all of that, the Lord asked me why I would ask his forgiveness for having faith in his word. Because he told me that what alienates some people is having faith in his word and taking action on his word. He asked me, why, why would you ask my forgiveness for, for believing my word, for taking action on my word? John 6, 47, King James, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say, un say unto you, he that believeth on me hath 
everlasting life. Now, we're going to get into this a little bit in August in the week of increase. He that believeth hath. Say it out loud. He that believeth hath. He that believeth hath. Now, when they were still with us, I heard both John Osteen and Ken Hag Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, teach on this phrase, he that believeth hath. He that believeth hath. You see, there was a time we didn't have any money. But we found scriptures that covered our case and we memorized them and we believed them and we confessed them and we took action on them. And on top of all of that, we obeyed the written word of God on money. And then on top of all of that, we followed the leading of the Holy Spirit on money. And now we have some money. Now I'm going to say a hard thing. So brace yourself. We got a way to study and pray and, you know, I've had people saying, I hope you had a great vacation. It takes a week and a half to two weeks to write the Holy Week Revival. It takes a week and a half to two weeks to, week to write the Week of Increase. You know, you just think that I'm so smart, I can just stand up here and just rattle this stuff off. Well, it takes, it takes a little effort. And so Sue and I were out praying one morning, and the Lord just made it so plain. That back in that 88, 89, 1990 time frame, when I was tired of not ever having any money, we battened down the hatches. So I'm using money as an illustration, but the Lord did with me. And we found scriptures that covered our case and, and we rehearsed them and rehearsed them and rehearsed them and rehearsed them until they became a part of us. And we believed them and we confessed them and if you, could, if you could follow us around, and the people that work for me too, we are like forged blue steel when it comes to the way we talk about money. But I, I, we're out there walking and praying, but I, and I stopped. I said, the Lord just showed me something. I said, we did that with money, but we didn't do that with our bodies. And we have a pain, and you know you want to talk about it. You want to tell your wife about it, right? That's what she's there for, to complain to. <laughs> Not my wife. So we, we want to talk about it. I'm, I'm, this has gone wrong. I feel this. I got this issue, this... And we did not do with our bodies what we had done with money. So in any area of life, see? And so some people, uh, we knew a man, he's gone to be with the Lord, and he had faith for money, but he, he just had no faith for healing at all. And nearly everybody in his family went through uh, medical horror stories. It was just sad. But man, he, he could believe that money in. So the same faith that'll work in one area will work in another area, but we have to do the same thing we did. We have to work the same process we worked. So now, you know, of course, we're working on our confession in this other area over here. See, people want what you got, but they don't want to do what you did to get what you got. And so, let me rehearse this again. We'll move on to new ground. Uh, there was a time we didn't have any money, but we found scriptures that covered our case, and we memorized them, and we believed them, and we confessed them, and we took action on them. 
And on top of all of that, we obeyed the written word of God. And on top of all of that, we followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. And now we have some money. He that believeth hath. Say it again. He that believeth hath. He that believeth hath. And this offends hopers. This offends hopers. This offends mental assenters. He that hopes has not yet arrived. He that hopes hath not. Say it out loud. He that believeth hath. And he that believeth not. Hath not. He that hopes may possess sometime, but not now. The hoper is a present tense failure as far as the realities of the word of God are concerned. He may be a beautiful failure, but he's a failure nonetheless. He fails in the midst of rosy hopes. The fragrance of dead hopes fills the air around him. He fails because he only hopes. Abraham believed in spite of hope and brushing hope aside, grasped the thing that God had promised. Say it out loud. It's mine. It's mine. I have it now. Many people are in bondage to faith's most dangerous enemy. Faith's most dangerous enemy, I'm talking about for the believer, is hope. Well, I'm just a hoping and a praying. Yeah, you're going to die. I'm just a hoping and a praying. Faith is giving substance to that for which we vainly hope. Now, <laughs> the obvious example... I mean, let me ask you. How about I do it backwards? Let me ask you. Out of all the things I've been preaching, in three months it'll be 50 years. I mean, I know it's hard to believe, but in three months I will have been preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ 50 years. So in 50 years, what would you say is the number one beef? Say it out loud. Tithing. All right. Why would tithing be the number one beef? How does a hoper view tithing? They don't have enough. And, and also they view it as optional. Okay, so what would it take for the hoper to begin? Now listen, if you're here tonight and you're not tithing, whatever. I'm not trying to raise money. I'm just participating in the foolishness of preaching. Let him who has ears to hear, hear, and let him who has eyes to see, see, and let him who don't do without. But anyway, uh, that was a joke. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> so what would it take to move the hoper to tithe? Action. But wait a minute, they don't have enough. Let me ask you this. Before you walked in the doors of Faith Christian Center. How many here tonight, and, and I, don't be ashamed to raise your hand because I know there'll be a percentage, 20%, 25%, but before you walked in the doors of Faith Christian Center, how many of you here had enough? Let me see your hand. Well, 
there surely is somebody. Okay, but my point is, all of us have experience. Can I say it this way? All of us have experience with not having enough. Can I say that? All of us have experience with not having enough. So if we don't have enough, I'm not, talking to, I'm not talking about tonight. I'm talking about at some point in the past. If we don't have enough, what, would motive, what, would, what, what change would have to happen in the hoper to begin tithing? Huh? Faith. See, in other words, there's going to be a, there's going to be a sermon. There's going to be an offering. There's going to be a, a radio broadcast. There's going to be a TV broadcast. There's going to be a word that just comes alive for that person, for that individual, and motivates them to do what? Take action. Now, when you go down this road, and you've been going down this road a while, you don't even think about it. Amen. I mean, you, you just don't even think about it. You get a raise, what do you do? You, you just adjust your math. Amen. You don't even think about it. And, and, and you, couldn't even, you couldn't even explain to somebody, you couldn't even explain to somebody how it works. You know, I come back from being out of town and they show me certain things and, you know, I open up one file and I started laughing. This church has hit a new cash level high five months in a row. Amen. And, and if you look at the news, you'd think it's all going to heck. Five, five straight months with everything we have going. Somebody might say, you shouldn't say that. The offering will go down. No, the offering will be bigger, bigger than, it'll be like bigger than it would have been because I learned from John Osteen, people want to be on a winning team. Amen. They don't want to give to a church that could be going out of business next week. Amen. They want to give to something they know is going to be here. Yes. So, all of us in this room, I think I can say, have had experience with not enough. Amen. So there has to be something change for somebody to begin to take action and obey the written word of God on money. You know, back in 1989 when I was complaining in prayer and I told him I was tired of not ever having any money. He told me to save. He didn't say FedEx is coming by 10 o'clock and there's going to be $10,000 in the, uh, you know, the pouch. He, he said, son, you don't ever have any money because you never save any money. He said, save something every seven days, even if it's only $5, both at home and in the ministry. And I, I knew the book of Proverbs was my favorite book from the, from the very beginning in the ministry. I knew the Bible talked about saving, so this word that I heard from the Lord lined up with the written word of God. But let me tell you something else. You know what's hard to do when you don't have enough? Forget about tithing. You know what else is hard to do when you don't have enough? What's hard to do when you don't have enough? Save money. Well, how am I supposed to save money, man? We don't have enough. See, but it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. So when you, when, you, when you move past hope and you move into faith, see, 
It's the faith that propels you to action. See, the hoper takes no action. He has no faith to do so. But if you ask the hoper, do you believe the Bible? Oh, yes, Brother Gene, I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible from the title page to the appendix. Are you sick? Yes. See, the mental assenter does not have what it takes, this extra juice to take action on the Word of God because he or she is a mental assenter. They're a hoper. So the thing that empowers us to take action is faith. It's faith. And the Lord is so gracious and the Lord is so kind. You know, that day in February of 1997, I believe it was, I'm walking and praying around the compound of the hotel we stayed at, stay, used to stay at in Mombasa, Kenya, and he challenged me to give Bud Sickler the $500,000 for the roof of his building. It turned into $600,000. He life coached me. He said, now, you don't think you can do it, but he said, I'm telling you, you can do it. And if I remember right, the month, January 31, 1997, we had $176,000 on hand. This is crazy. And this is why somebody like me could never operate in the denominational world because they'd throw me right out. We only have $176,000 and you, you, you committed to give a half million dollars? Are you crazy? Yeah, I'm crazy. I'm crazy in faith. Amen. Amen. And I have learned this lesson. To do what he says and to do what he says quickly. Amen. Now sometimes I'll make sure it's him. And the, the crazier it is, the more I'll make sure it's him. I'll say, now if that's you, bring it back to me. But if it's the Lord, I'll move and I'll move quickly. Faith is giving substance to that which we vainly hope for. Hope has no substance. Hope has no substance. That's why faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. There's no certainty to hope. Hope deludes the lost. It deludes the sick and the defeated. There's no hope for the hoper if he remains a hoper. And let me say this. Many, many people are hopers on purpose. Many, many, many people are hopers on purpose because hope demands no action. Faith demands action. Say it out loud. Faith demands action. Faith demands action. So hopers are put off by faith. That's, that was my prayer experience. I don't know why. I do this a lot. I, 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 I bless those who are upset with me. I do this a lot. And I'm doing it more as I put on some ears. I, because he said, bless those who curse you and despitefully use you. And so, you know, as they come to mind, I bless them. I say, Lord, bless them. Bless them. God bless them. Bless them. Amen. Amen. Some people who really harmed us. It not matter to me. I had a guy, after we moved in this building, came, out, came, came to church and met me out there in the fellowship atrium. I mean, he really did us wrong. He really did us wrong. 
And he said, Pastor, he said, I came by to ask your forgiveness. And, and I said, I forgive you. I said, I forgave you when it happened. God bless you. Love you. Amen. Somebody may say, how can you do that? What difference does it make to me? See, if, if, if man is my source, well, then I have a problem. But if, if God is my source and somebody tries to hurt me, what difference does that make to me? I mean, he really did. And I tried to warn a man in the church, gave him Barclay's book on, what's that called? Spirit of Familiarity. And then that guy left because he didn't like me giving him the book. <laughs> but later, this guy that had done us wrong uh, took a $50,000 check from that man's business and... Uh, I don't know how you do that, but he, he stole $50,000 from the man that had been in our church. And, but nobody ever came back and said, Pastor, you were, you were right on. I forgive everybody. I have, no, I have no hard feelings against anyone. I have let go of everything. I have forgiven everybody. Amen. And when they come to mind... I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 But that doesn't make them winners. I mean, there's a guy in the Metroplex and he did us wrong and he's in the ministry. <laughs> he, he doesn't have anything. There's another guy, you know, upset with me for 20 years. He went in the ministry. He didn't have anything. See, me forgiving them costs me nothing. Yes. And Jesus said, Mark eleven twenty two to 24, we love all that, but verse 25, who's got a King James Bible? Mark eleven twenty five. I should be able to rattle it off, but see, right there proves how little I go to eleven twenty five. Because I like 1122 to 24. And when you stand praying, forgive. It, it's because he says, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, That whosoever shall say, under this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he saith therefore verse, verse, and I'm going to teach on this maybe in next year Holy Week 2024 the Lord laid this out for me on this study and prayer retreat he called it the perfect circle of faith Verse, you do verses 22, you, you, do, you say, you do verses 22 and 23 saying, then in prayer, you do verse 24, which is believing you receive. You believe you receive. Then the next day when you get up and you pray, you do, go back and you do verses 22 and 23. You say it. Can you see that? It is a perfect circle of faith. Therefore, I say unto you, verse 24, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. But verse 25 says, And when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. How many of you want God to hold stuff against you? Let me see your hand if you want God to hold stuff against you. 
Well, then we can't hold stuff against people. Amen. 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 So faith demands action. All right, so right there. See, what is your pastor a fanatic on? If the Bible says I got to forgive them, I, I forgive them. If the Bible says, Jesus said, bless those who persecute you and despitefully use you, so what does Pastor Gene do? I bless those who use me and despitefully use me. I bless them. That cost me nothing. It cost me nothing. And see, God is my source. And because God is my source, what can man do to me? And even if man manages to do whatever, well, God's going to make it up to me. I'll just keep pulling ahead. Can you see that? But, but what, what would empower you to take action on, on the word of God like that? What would empower you to bless those who curse you and despitefully use you? What would, what would move you to action? Faith. Because in the natural, I grew up in Detroit. This is completely unnatural to me. What's, what's natural to me is, oh, you want to fight? Well, I'll give you one you will not forget. That's what's natural. But we're not, we're not walking by our upbringing. We're not walking by our culture. We're not walking by our background. We're not walking by our life experience. We're walking by the word of God. And so it's the faith, though, that moves us to action. Now, prayer that's based on hope is sure to fail. And this is convicting. It's convicting even to me. Salvation that is based on hope never comes to maturity. The sick person who hopes for healing remains sick. So let us change hope into faith as Abraham did. Then life will be a success. Let me go back to Romans 4 and just read that phrase. As it is written, I've made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were against all hope. Abraham in hope believed. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. So these two are at war. And I'm not saying hope doesn't ever have a place. Hope has a place. But When it comes to something I need, I can't operate in hope. Find a way to take action on the written word of God, the Bible. And there's just not enough respect for the written word of God. Thank God for his holy written word. Where would we be? You know, sometimes we watch uh, period pieces, movies about something in the past, and, and, and I find myself feeling sorry for generations before the Gutenberg Press was invented. They didn't have Bibles. And then think about in Jesus' day, only the rich could have had scrolls of the Old Testament because those scrolls had to be hand-copied. Who would have had the money to buy, forget about, 
the whole Old Testament, just the first five books. Can you imagine? And how many psalms there are? Can you imagine? You'd have to pay somebody. And then you'd have to buy the parchment. You'd have to buy the ink. So only the rich would have had any hope of having the word. And, and we read these Old Testament stories and we think, my gosh, my gosh, my gosh. How in the world could, could they get so far off course? Second Kings, Second Chronicles, they didn't have Bibles. And we just are not grateful enough. Thank, say it out loud. Thank God, Thank God for, his holy for his holy written word. Back in December, we were at Derek Christina's. I was out, and they got a real hill on their driveway. It really put a beating on me. Uh, and uh, so I'm walking that driveway, praying in the morning, and, and, and this came to me. These are the works of God. These are not the works of man. I did not do this. These are the works of God. What we have came to us by the written word of God. If we had not had a Bible, Sue and I wouldn't have anything. How, how would we have known what to believe? How would we have known what to do? How would we have known what action to take? How would we have known what to set our faith on? How would we have known anything about the character of God? And in the same way, we are healed... <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. This is, forget about next Wednesday or two Wednesdays. This is probably the Holy Week Revival 2024. How are we healed in these days? See, people want to think they're healed by the laying on of hands or they're healed by the anointing of oil or they're healed by falling down or they're healed by this or that, either prayer chains, whatever, Daniel fast, you know, eating nasty uh, Daniel fast in January, drinking anointing oil. How are people healed today? Yeah, but faith has to have an object. We are healed today by the holy written word of God. He gave us his word. And I could not tell you how many times in my life I've prayed for ministers and the answer has come back pretty sharply. I couldn't count how many times I've prayed for ministers. I, I, I wouldn't say I've stopped praying for ministers, but I, I just call their names and say, Lord bless them. I don't get more involved than that because I, I don't like him talking to me sharply, but I could not count the times in my life I've been praying for ministers and the Lord spoke sharply to me and said, they have my word. And they're ministers. They should know. So we, we are prospered by his word. We are healed by his word. We did, we did this building by his word. We, we built this by his word. We paid this off by his word. I mean, it's all by his word. Amen. Say it out loud, at thy word. At thy and word. that ought to be a phrase that's in our mouth all the time. Why am I doing this? At thy word. So 
Find, I'm going to quit here, find ways. See, you know what the hoper is? <laughs> the hoper is an action avoider. Some of you sitting here right now tonight, I'm doing the, the message and you're listening, but in your thought life, you're evaluating employees. Because you have somebody and you like them, but somehow they just, they just don't get traction. You know, you say call 20 people a day or whatever your instructions are, and they're hoping. I know that phone's going to ring. No, it's not. I know the sale will come in. No, it won't. See, they're hoping. So a, a hoper is an action avoider. So find ways to take action on the written word of God, the Bible, and don't be an action shirker. Hopers are action shirkers. Go out of your way and inconvenience yourself in the pursuit of taking action on the written word of God. Be, <laughs> you know, before we left to go study, uh, I wasn't where I am now, but you know, I'd lost enough weight. And I, I thought, you know, what am I going to do? And I, I, I got to, I got to refigure all this stuff out. So anyway, I took, I took the Lord, I'm in the closet and I'm standing there looking at it all. And the Lord said, send those two suits to so-and-so. Somebody that is, misused us and so you know the office said what kind of notes should we put in this because you know they're, they'll do what I tell them to do but I'm sure they're thinking you know two of his suits man that's a lot to send to this person that hasn't really done right by us and I said I, and, and so I heard this and so I said what I heard uh, tell him that Pastor Gene said to send these to my friend so and so Bless those who despitefully use you and speak all manner of evil against you. I'm from Detroit. I don't want to do that. I want to twist his nose until it bleeds. But see, I, I inconvenient. Pastor, you're bragging on yourself. Look, if I told your business, you'd be mad at me. The only business I can tell and nobody be mad at me is my business. So that's why I use these illustrations. I inconvenienced myself to take action on the word of God. And if I got to replace suits, well, you know, I need some blessing. Amen. So I sewed, what did I sew? I sewed suits. Amen. And, and not J.C. Penny suits. Go out of your way. Inconvenience yourself in the pursuit of taking action on the written word of God. Be an instructions follower and your life will improve dramatically. You will be shocked how fast your life will improve. Say, thank you, Father God. I'm not a hoper. I'm not an action shirker. I'm a believer. And I'm an action taker based on... Your holy written word. Your holy written word. Amen. 